and welcome back to Matt's Music Class, the podcast for learning to understand music. I'm Matt W. Dayton, and today we're going to get some more practice playing melody on our keyboards and examining some complex melodic structure. Before we get started, I just want to mention that I know these music lessons are very densely packed with information and analysis, and when you're listening to an episode, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed way before you've gotten to the end of the episode. That's not your fault, it's my fault. I've just been so eager to get as many connections as come to my mind into each episode as the spe- at the speed that they pop up, that each episode really has several sessions worth of listening in it. So I apologize if that's been a stumbling block for you. I hate to ask you to do work that I should have done to begin with, but perhaps you could think of each episode as two or three separate episodes, and just hit pause when you finished a segment that took some brain power to get through, even though the episode's only halfway through. Take a break, go for a walk, listen to a different podcast, and come back to the middle of the episode for the rest of the lesson the next day or something. I'm going to try to make this in future episodes a bit more manageable size for learning these kinds of abstract auditory concepts. Okay, so we remember what melody is. It's giving pitches rhythm, taking them for a walk. They come one at a time, so they feel like they're moving up and down through time. Let me share with you one of my favorite melodies. This is a traditional Irish ballad called The Harp That Once Through Tara's Hall. And of course, it's such a long title because it's one of those songs that just goes by the first line of the poem. Here it is. The harp that runs through Tara's Hall, the soul of song for many reasons, sappy though it may be. For one thing, the poem is a nice example of the ballad form, whose alternation of tetrameter, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and trimeter, da-da-da-da-da-da, lines, and A-B-A-B rhyme scheme, I've just always found extremely satisfying. In case you couldn't tell already, I'm also a big fan of Ireland, its history and culture, so this lament over a bygone era of beauty, nobility, and freedom, symbolized by the Irish harp, just pulls my heartstrings every time. And last but certainly not least, not only is the melody constructed with remarkably long and mellifluous molecules, but it has a lovely surprise in its sectional structure. Let me show you what I mean. 
What I call the first molecule is really a whole phrase, like a clause in a sentence. So it's really like a polymer molecule, because the four smaller bits it's made of feel so tightly knit that they're best understood as all one idea. A nice long chain of melody, we'll call it polymer one, and it went from a low D all the way up to the next higher D, briefly, and then all the way back down to where it started. Well, that's pretty much the whole landscape of pitches right there, so what does it do next? It jumps back up to that high D and just hangs out up there for a while, relishing in a slow descent to end up on the middle pitch, an A. So that's polymer two, and then it does almost an exact repetition of polymer two, just changing the end of it and landing one step higher on the B this time. And here's where you might think it ends with a brand new polymer if you only notice the beginning of this last phrase. But if you take away the first five notes, you have this. And then take away the first five notes of polymer one and compare. They're almost exactly the same. So this melody has kind of a hidden ABA structure because only the middle to the end of polymer one is what comes back, so it's a little trickier to notice. We only get an echo of former times, which is perfect for the linguistic meaning of the song, just as the long chain polymer construction of the molecules fits nicely with the song about contemplating the long chain of your culture's history. Now let's get another melody into our fingers and practice literally feeling its structure. Hopefully you've had a chance to practice the melody we learned last time when the saints go marching in, so you should be familiar enough with the keyboard to learn a new melody today, which will use six pitches as opposed to the five from when the saints go marching in. We will come back to the saints in a later lesson, so do keep practicing it because we're going to add chords with your other hand eventually. You'll probably recognize today's new melody. Its lowest pitch will be C, and its highest pitch will be the A, five white keys, up from it. So this means that unlike when the saints go marching in, you won't be able to play it while keeping each finger on its own key the whole time, but fortunately the extra key is very close by, so you still won't need to move your hand more than about half an inch throughout the song. Okay, so let's start by putting your right hand thumb on a C in the middle of your keyboard, or the pinky if you want to play it with your left hand, and from there rest each consecutive finger on the next white key above it. So you've got index on D, middle on E, ring on F, and pinky on G. Now we're ready to play one little pattern at a time. First I'll say the pitch names of the pattern, then I'll sing them slowly for you to play along with me as I sing them, and then I'll play the pattern on my melodica so you'll get a second shot at playing along with me. Here we go. First pattern goes G, F, E. G, F, E. Next one is really attached to the first, it goes E E D E E E D E So since these first two come so close together in time, let's practice playing them as one larger pattern that goes G F E E E D E G F E E E D E If you recognize the melody by now, you'll know that we just need two long notes now to complete our first phrase. F, E. 
let's tag those two notes to the end and do the whole first phrase now. G, F, E, 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 D, E, F, E. G, F, E, 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 D, E, F, E. So this is another tune that's had several different words set to it, but the one you're most likely to hear among grown-ups is Oh, for he's a jolly good fellow. And that's almost all the words of the whole song. They just repeat a bunch. I should also point out that this song is a nice example of the Takide meter, which you might recall feels like the beats are skipping along to a micropulse of Takides, like this. Takide, 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 ta. Right, so let's get the next part of the song, which shouldn't be too hard because it's very similar to the first phrase. E, D, 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 C, D. E, D, 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 C, D. Then complete the idea with two long notes again, this time E, C. E, C. The whole second phrase, E, D, 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 C, D, E, C, E, D, 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 C, D, E, C. Now think about the relationship between this second phrase we just did and the first phrase. Did you notice it's almost exactly the same pattern, just moved down by one key? Take away the first note of the song and you've got... The second phrase moves that same idea down by a key. Ah, but changing the last note. So right away, we've found our most beloved method of generating melodies. Repetition with variation. And next we have something very close to an exact repetition of the first phrase again, but because of the way it ends, we're going to have to do a fancy little maneuver with our fingers as we play it. So here's how it works. You're going to play the pattern D, E, 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 D, E. But when you play the second D, I want you to play it with your thumb, not the index finger you were using to play it all the other times. And as you play it with your thumb, you're going to shift your whole hand a tiny bit so that your index, middle, ring, and pinky fingers are now resting one key higher than they were at the beginning of the song. So in this split second, your fingers have shifted to thumb on D, index on E, middle on F, ring on G, and pinky on A. If you did the shift correctly, then the last E of this little pattern, again, which was D, E, 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 D with the thumb, E, will be played with your index finger. So your fingers go index, middle, 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 thumb, index on the notes D, E, 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 D, E. Try it as I sing the pitches slowly. D, E, 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 D with the thumb, E. Now play along with me and remember this fingering pattern. Index, middle, 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 thumb, index. And here's where this third phrase changes things up. Instead of concluding with two long notes, it concludes with three notes climbing up. 
F, G, A, which remember you're playing with middle ring pinky. Try it out. F, G, A. Now let's try this whole third phrase, including the fancy fingers maneuver at the beginning. So shift your hand back to start with your index finger on D and middle finger on the E, and shift when you play the second D with your thumb. D, E, 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 D with the thumb, E, F, G, A. D, E, 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 D with the thumb, E, F, G, A. Okay, now the fourth phrase will give your ring and pinky fingers a little workout to start with. It goes A G A G. A G A G. And the next pattern has another little maneuver that's more straightforward. The pitches are F D C. So since you're skipping over the E there and you need to play that low C again, just stretch your index finger down to play the D with it, and your thumb will thereby be ready to play the C. So you'll play the pitches F, D, C with fingers middle, index, thumb. Try it out. Again, F, D, C. F, D, C. Put that together with the ring pinky workout, and we have A G A G F D C. A G A G F stretch D C. Okay, now we're actually almost done learning all the patterns of the song. So let's solidify what we have so far. And notice how the molecular structure is very similar to when the Saints go marching in. Three repetitions of molecule one to set you up for a molecule two that's completely different. Remember to shift your hand back to our starting position right now with thumb on the C, and the first two phrases with no hand shift are G F E E E D E F E E D D, D, C, D, E, C. G, F, E, 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 D, E, F, E, E, D, 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 C, D, E, C. And the next two phrases include the fancy shift and the easy skip. D, E, 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 D with the thumb, E, F, G, A, A, G, A, G, F, stretch index finger, D, C. D, E, 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 D with the thumb, E, F, G, A. G A G F stretch D C
Okay, next we have a pretty easy pattern, but you just have to remember to start it with the correct finger. Put your index finger on E, and it'll be easy to do this little pattern. E, G, 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 A, A, G. E, G, 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 A, A, G. Then do exactly the same pattern again. E, G, 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 A, A, G. After that, the song's not over, but you've learned all the patterns there are to it because it just repeats the whole first four phrases, the whole A section, one more time. So here's a pretty obvious ABA sectional structure, even though the B section was just this little hiccup thing. So let me go through both A and B sections, then I'll sing the whole song slowly with you playing along, and then I'll play the song a little bit faster, and you can challenge yourself to keep up. So the A section starts with the thumb resting on C. And it's G, F, E, 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 D, E, F, E, E, D, 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 C, D, E, C, D, E, 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 D with a thumb, E, F, G, A, A, G, A, G, F, stretch index, D, C. Then the B section, index on E, E, G, 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 A, A, G, and repeat. E, G, 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 A, A, G, then the whole A section again. Okay, so let's go to the beginning of the song. I'll sing it all slowly. You play along. G, F, E, 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 D, E, F, E, E, D, 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 C, D, E, C, D, E, 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 D with a thumb, E, F, G, A, A, G, A, G, F, stretch, D, C. Index on E. E, G, 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 A, A, G. And repeat. E, G, 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 A, A, G. Back to the beginning. G, F, E, 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 D, E, F, E, E, D, 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 C, D, E, C, D, E, 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 D with a thumb. E, F, G, A, A, G, A, G, F, stretch, D, C. And now I'll play it a bit faster. Try to play it with me.
How'd you do? If you had trouble playing the whole melody at the faster speed, that's okay. It means you actually have more incentive than if it had been easy to learn good keyboard playing habits by repeating the slower speed practice a few more times, by just moving your podcast player back a couple minutes, and finding that when you try the faster speed again, the magic of your mind-body learning system has made it easier for you without your even noticing. It still amazes me that while I have no conscious access to the process by which my muscles and brain learn the challenging coordination things they have to do when I'm trying to play a new difficult piece, I know from countless experiences that if I force myself to play the most challenging bits of the piece several times at a painfully slow speed, and then several times more of the whole song at a painfully slow speed, when I try playing it fast again, the difficulty has just melted away. And when did that happen? And really learning that most important of musicians' habits, the excruciatingly deliberate, painfully slow practice, was not easy for me. And it's not easy for most young musicians for the same reason, because when I was growing up, I had just enough hand-eye coordination that I could approximate good piano playing fairly quickly without breaking the hardest bits up and practicing them really slowly and deliberately, but that led me to develop lazy habits that it took many years to break. Once my musical understanding got way ahead of my technique, and I wanted to take music as seriously as it deserves. Okay, so now you've got another simple ABA folk song that you can practice playing on your keyboard, and it's a really fun melody in large part because of its skipping meter, which will really come out when you can play it at a decently quick speed, which again just takes patience and slow, deliberate repetition. Now let's look at just how complex melodic construction, through repetition and variation, can get by listening closely to a melody from one world music tradition that has invested a lot of ingenuity over the centuries on intricate patterns of melodic construction that tell elaborate stories just with their syntax. Here's the first verse of a Chinese folk song from the province of Hunan called Kite Flying. Let's just listen first to this recording of a lovely singer named Eli Mao, accompanied by pianist Anna Mei Li, from the Smithsonian Folkways Recordings album An Anthology of Chinese Folk Songs, And take a moment to reflect on how it makes you feel from a first listening. Then I'll tell you what the words are about, and we'll take a close look at how the melodic molecules are structured and how they represent the images of the words. Have a listen. Now, when I first heard this song, I was of course delighted by the sense of a constant flowing and meandering, which is pretty common in Chinese folk melodies, and I was also intrigued by how it seems to spin out lots of new melodic material for quite a while before it reaching its final destination. In comparison, American and European folk melodies feel like they take a more curt and direct route to get where they're going, with one or two clear landmarks along the way. I also noticed two types of contrasting melodic gesture in the song. The dominant one was very smooth, often meandering lines, and the other was jumpy patterns with notes having clear temporal space between them. And by the way, the standard technical terms for those two ways of articulating notes, the smooth and the choppy, as it were, are legato and staccato, which are almost automatopoeic words, because when you say them with exaggerated pronunciation, they kind of sound like what they mean. 
legato, smooth, staccato, choppy. And if you ever wondered why all the technical music terms seem to be Italian words, it's because the standard system of music notation we use today was developed over the last thousand years mostly in Europe, and not only did that process originally begin in Italy, but the most influential music form of those last thousand years, opera, which really created the need for an ever more sophisticated written system of disseminating music, was also invented in Italy. Just one of those things. Okay, so back to the kite flying song. The liner notes don't include an actual translation of the lyrics, but they do give a clue as to why that contrast between legato and staccato gestures is so prominent. They say this is, quote, a song about the favorite Chinese pastime of kite flying. The rattles, bells, and whistles attached to the kite produce a merry cacophony in the brisk wind, end quote. So maybe the smooth legato lines that permeate most of the melody represent the constant flowing wind, and the choppy staccato gestures represent the merry cacophony of rattles, bells, and whistles. Seems plausible to me, especially since those words themselves, assuming they appear in the lyrics somewhere, evoke such specific sounds that it would be hard for any composer to resist pairing them with similar melodic gestures, which is a fairly self-explanatory technique called tone painting. So that's as far as my first impressions and the general sense of the words took me. Now let's get out our magnifying glass and see why such a long, seemingly meandering melody nonetheless feels so satisfying and orderly. Let me play just the melody by itself one time to remind us of what an intricate path it follows before coming to rest. Here's the whole thing again. And just to change things up a bit, I think I'll play it on my tenor recorder here. Now the first four molecules should be pretty straightforward to us by now, because they're just a little mini ABA pattern. We've got molecule A, which runs down by steps and then jumps back up for the last note, then an exact repetition of A, then a new molecule, we'll call it B, that sort of skips up to the song's highest note, then takes one step down, and another exact repetition of A. At this point, we'd be justified in expecting a new molecule to begin a whole new middle section of the song, but what we get starts out as an exact repetition of the B molecule. So we're like, is it going to do another version of A next? Is this still the opening section of the song? Surprise, the last note of the repeated B molecule jumps straight into the merry cacophony of rattles and bells with a new short jumpy molecule. And since this new molecule is really all about the sounds of the kites now, rather than the brisk wind, painted for us by molecules A and B, I'm going to use numbers for these cacophony molecules. So here's molecule 1. Then comes a repeat of molecule 1, but with a different ending. But let's look a little closer at that different ending for a minute. Here it is again. Now, where have we heard that before in the song? Listen to the B molecule that introduces us to this cacophony section. And now just the tail end of it. And now this new tail on molecule one. My goodness, they are remarkably similar. So maybe we have the wind molecules creeping in a little bit here among the bells and whistles. 
very interesting. I think I'm going to call this variation of molecule 1 maybe a 1b. So again, after our straightforward A, A, B, A section, this cacophony section was introduced to us by molecule B, running right into the jumpy molecule 1, and then molecule 1 gets invaded by the tail end of B to become 1b, and then we get this which is almost an exact repetition of 1b, except it keeps running downward. And it runs right into the next molecule, which is fully back in wind mode. So let's call it C. But again, if we look closely at what C is made of, we might notice its first half is actually a mirror image of our very first wind molecule, A. And its second half is just a lower version of molecule 1b's tail. And what a beautiful child they've made together. That C child runs right into a low repeated pitch cacophony molecule, which we'll call molecule 2. And molecule 2 leads us to another combo molecule, this time combining the head of molecule B with that same tail of molecule 1B. Just start each at a lower pitch and you've got... So at this point, we probably need a tag for that tail of molecule 1B because it seems to keep coming back. Maybe we can just call it the loop-de-loop, -loop because it does sound kind of like a kite maneuver anyway. Okay, so now that we have our loop-de-loop -loop tag, let's see what kind of journey these kites take in this melody. We've got an introduction of just the brisk wind with molecules A, A, B, A. Then another B molecule runs into the cacophony of molecule 1. Then molecule 1 with a loop-de-loop then molecule 1 with a loop-de-loop -loop that keeps running down to start molecule C, which itself has a lower loop-de-loop. -loop. And then we get the low cacophony of molecule 2, followed by a lower version of molecule B with a loop-de-loop. -loop. And finally, we get the lowest loop-de-loop -loop yet, which brings our kite to rest on the ground as we arrive for the first time at the lowest note of the song. But the wind's not done with us yet. We then, surprisingly, get an exact repetition of everything from Molecule 2 until the end. So this begs the question, why that exact repetition at the end of the melody? The kite already got to the ground, and I'm pretty sure the words are the same as well, so it's not like we ran out of melody but still had some words left to fit in. The best answer I can think of is that if you consider how much variation had been suffused up to that point in each small-scale repetition, i.e. the loop-de-loop -loop tags, the slight alteration of the endings of molecules to lead smoothly into the next new molecule, every time we've heard the return of a familiar molecule, it didn't really feel like a return, but a continuation. A development. It's like we've been watching the incremental spiraling growth of a crystal or a plant, but we haven't gotten any high-level structural sign that the growth process is coming to completion. So what we need is something that feels like a high-level return, the return of an entire section, to let us know that we, now we can settle back for the denouement. The journey is coming to a close. So with all of that in mind, let's hear this melody again, as sung by Elie Mao, and try your best to follow this intricate molecular structure that gives the melody's journey a sense of constant development within an organic unity.
What a finely crafted journey through time this melody provides. I love how it not only pairs beautifully with the image of flying kites through its musical gestures of legato and staccato lines, but it also feels like it expresses something ineffable about the activity of kite flying itself, turns it into like an abstract platonic form through the rhetorical beauty of its molecular architecture. This is why it's not surprising that this song has lasted for centuries, Any music that stands the test of time is going to have something compelling and satisfying about it, and more often than not, that something turns out to be a beautiful design down to a very fine level of detail. Now the last thing I want to do is just introduce you to what most musicians think of as the acme of the very kind of melodic complexity that our kite-flying song exemplifies, and that is the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. Now, Bach's music is pretty much the paragon of so-called Western classical music, and Western classical music, in general, is extremely popular today in, of all places, China. Why might this be? Well, I think it's probably because Western classical music and Chinese traditional music both use the same kind of complex melodic architecture, juxtaposing and constantly developing these very characterful melodic molecules as the foundation of their expressive means. By the way, the technical term for that kind of organic evolution of melodic molecules is motivic development, and motivic development really is the Tao of both Chinese and Western classical musics. The Bach piece I want to share with you is one of the more transparent and straightforward of his keyboard works. In fact, it comes from a set of pieces that Bach originally wrote as exercises in teaching keyboard technique to his own children, and most piano teachers still use it today with beginning piano students. However, it's on a whole new level of complexity because it takes melody to the same place that polyrhythm took rhythm back in lesson three. And I hope you remember how crazy polyrhythm is. My right hand will be playing an evolving melody with relatively high notes, but at the same time, my left hand will be playing an independent, similarly evolving melody with relatively low notes. And so this piece is an example of a relatively unique and characteristic feature of Western classical music polyphony. Poly for many, phon, P-H-O-N, for sound, so it's many sounds, referring to more than one simultaneous melodies. In the next lesson, I'll go through a bit of the right hand's melody in detail so we can appreciate why we generally give Bach's music the same reverence that we give Shakespeare's poetry, for example. But for now, I just want to play you the whole piece and have you reflect on your first impressions, and then give you the assignment to listen to the piece at least a second time and see if you can notice any of the same kind of motivic development that we discovered in kite flying. And remember, motivic development is the sort of evolution of a melodic molecule so that it keeps coming back but in varied form all the time, like the loop-de-loop idea from kite flying. Okay, so here's the piece. It's called Invention Number 1 in C Major.
and your homework is to reflect on what general things you noticed and how you felt from hearing this piece just now, and then to rewind and listen to it at least one more time to see if you can notice and follow any melodic molecules that seem to grow like plants from a seed as the piece goes on. So listen for any motivic development you can notice. So that's as complicated as we'll need to get with Melody for now. Next time, we'll keep using our keyboards to start exploring the sort of invisible hand that drives pitches to seek homeostasis, called tonality. And tonality is what allowed us to create a sophisticated system for using multiple simultaneous pitches to paint an emotionally charged background that supports the melody, just like a movie score supports the emotional impact of a scene in your favorite movie or TV show. So that's all coming up soon. It's going to be very emotional. Again, the recording of Kite Flying, we heard, comes from the 1963 Smithsonian Folkways Recordings album Ellie Mao, an anthology of Chinese folk songs. And you can download the whole album on their website. As always, if you hear music you like, please consider buying it, since it took a lot of work to create, and if that work adds value to your life, maybe you should support it. If this episode of Matt's Music Class added any value to your life, you can also support it by donating a buck or two on my website, mwdaytonmusic.com. That's it for me. Happy listening. <laughs>